Good afternoon. Welcome to this edition of the Richard Urban Show. I'm your host, Richard Urban, coming to you from Historic Harper's Ferry. And today we're very happy to have Bill Schwartz on. He's running for the Supreme Court of Appeals in Division Three. And so please introduce yourself. Thank you, Richard. I, I, thanks for having me on. I'm Bill Schwartz, and I'm a lawyer here in Charleston, West Virginia. I'm a candidate for uh, Division Three, the, uh, the West Virginia Supreme Court of Appeal, Division Three. And uh, it's interesting that you're in Harpers Ferry. I think it's a beautiful area. I biked there years ago when I was on the you know, uh, towpath with my older boy, uh, and we actually camped outside of Harpers Ferry. Beautiful area. Um, but I'm a graduate of both St. John's University in New York. I'm originally from Queens, New York, and I was born and raised there. And while I was at St. John's, I wasn't just a, a graduate of St. John's. I was a two-time Big East medalist in track and field. I was also a student athlete of the year in 1982 uh, when I graduated, and I took that money from the award to help me go to law school, where I went to Washington Elise University School of Law. I earned a Juris Doctor degree, and while I was a student, I was selected as a justice on the Moot Court Board, meaning I was one of the top student advocates at that law school. I was also a regional champion in the national trial competition. The finals were held in Dallas. I did not win the national trial competition, but I did win the regional. Hey. Uh, and I was, after graduating, I wanted to be a trial lawyer. I wanted to try cases. And that's exactly what I did. I've never run for office before in my life, and I'll get to that in a second. Uh, but I wanted to be a trial lawyer. And I've spent 32 years of my career uh, representing injured workers and families. I've, I've, uh, I've done what, what some people call toxic torts. Uh, that could be anything from poisoned water uh, to men breathing poisons on the job. I've represented a number of men uh, who have uh, worked with their hands throughout their career. And, and I don't think you would call them liberal men by any means, except for the fact that they care about workers' rights. They fought our wars. Their dad, their sons fought our wars. and They've raised families. And, and, and I'm, I decided to get into this uh, to be a representative of them. Uh, okay. Again, uh, taxpayers. I want to be a taxpayer among the roads. Uh, I'm not a judge. I'm not a politician. And right. I think we've done enough of that. And so I'm, I'm, I want to be a taxpayer among the roads. That's me, Bill Schwartz. Okay, no, that, that's pretty good. Well, one, one thing I know from talking to some of the other candidates, that a lot of the cases coming up to the Supreme Court are like family law cases and you, you're like a personal injury attorney. So do you think, is that something you want to address? The question is regarding uh, children, family law. Uh, and I think what you mean is the, the, the fallout from the opioid crisis. Right now, there are 7,000 children uh, in state custody. I think that's a tragedy. Uh, I, I have raised a family and my children have been very fortunate. I have a I was a track and field student athlete. My son just completed a great career at Marshall University. I have another son who's probably better than both of us. They've lived very privileged lives uh, because of my career. And frankly, uh, their mother, uh, they, they've had great life. Many children in West Virginia don't enjoy that. And I'm aware of that. And just because my children have lived a privileged life doesn't mean I'm, I'm, I'm ignoring the plight of 7,000 children uh, who are now in state custody. I think it's a tragedy, and I think it's a tragedy that our court has to focus on. I think there has to be a priority given to the front line. If you think of the virus that we're dealing with right now, you think of the nurses and healthcare workers at the front line. Well, think about the opioid crisis and the children who go home to mothers who don't wake up uh, or fathers who are absent. Um, 
the, the, the crisis there, the front line there from that opioid crisis is the, is the family court judge and the trial court judge, the lower level court system, the, the people that get their hands dirty. I'm running for the Supreme Court and they, they, they tend not to get their hands as dirty uh, as the lower courts that deal with the message that society leaves us. And, and I think rather than focus on $32,000 couches or the accoutrements of the Supreme Court, we need to, we need to focus those funds uh, back to the people that get their hands dirty, which is the family court judges and the trial court judges and the magistrates, the lower level courts. Uh, and and I, I absolutely believe that. And, and I'm, not, I'm not ignorant of that. I'm well aware of that. And I see it around me. I've heard from talking to people on the Eastern Panel that you're dealing with the same issues that we are in the southern part of the state. I, I want my children to stay in West Virginia when they graduate college. I, want, I don't want the brain drain to continue from the state of West Virginia. Uh, I, we need to reverse that. And one of the ways of reversing that is having a more stable society. And you don't have a stable society when you have 7,000 kids uh, in state custody. So I, right, I want right. to get resources there. Okay, well, let me interject one thing. Our nonprofit like, and this is more like a philosophical question, not specifically about judiciary ever, but we deal with that issue of like saying abstinent before marriage. We have different school materials, you know, that we've taught over the years that you emphasize, you know, wait to have sex, you know, have a stable family. What do you think about that kind of approach? Is that, do you think that's viable, a good approach for, you know, school-aged children? I, I think you can preach. Uh, and I'm all for preaching. <laughs> I'm all for I'm all for setting examples. And, yeah. and I think it starts with the examples that you set. And, and, and I go back to my own children's situation. They have, I think, pretty good examples in both me and their mother. Um, some people don't have those examples of how to live. And we, we're taught in our environment. I, I, you, know, I, you always go back to that situation. Is, is, it, is, it, is, it, is, your, is your destiny set by your environment? or is it predestined for you? And I think, frankly, environment has something to do with it. Uh, and if you're a young child and you don't see fidelity uh, and you don't see commitment and no one commits to you and you grow up in that kind of environment, it's hard for you to trust. I mean, uh, a stable society starts with trust. I trust you to do the right thing. You trust me to do the right thing. If I make a commitment to a woman, I trust her to do the right thing and she trusts me to do the right thing. If you haven't had trust in your life, I get it, how, how, how you may not feel the same way that you or I may feel in our lives. Uh, so so, so I'm, not, I'm not quick to judge people who sin in different ways than I do, <laughs> you know? And uh, so, so that's my response to that. Okay, okay. Um, you, meant, you, know, you were mentioning about the debacle of the $32,000 couch. You know, with the proceedings against the Supreme Court in 2018, do you feel like that the um, legislature overreached? Because I was noticing, you know, actually, I'll mention this. I actually read through the indictment against, um, I shouldn't remember the name, but the, the justice who was actually indicted. But I have to say, now, I don't, I don't believe you should lie or, you know, file false reports. But I do have to say, I did take the time because I kept seeing the article, the criminal federal indictment. I says, well, what did they indict the guy for? And he said, okay. And don't get me wrong. I don't think you should lie or fall false reports. But he said, okay, they indicted him on some of the indictments were like 
he's he filed thirty dollars in false claims for mileage. I thought, okay, or something. I said, okay, that's wrong, but I mean, they seem to have made this huge deal out of it. So I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? What's your I do. About the I do. I do. And my feeling is my limited involvement. Again, I was married to a federal prosecutor, uh, so one thing I know is never lie to the feds. <laughs> <laughs> if they're investigating, oh, Martha Stewart, for example, uh, you know, she did uh, a simple um, uh, trade uh, that was considered insider trading. And what they got her on was lying to the feds. Uh, so so um, there is such a thing as taking an oath in court. And there is such a thing as sitting down with the feds and them warning you, do not lie to us. We don't care what it's about. Do not lie to us. You better know. You take the pun. Sometimes uh, and go, and go, we can go back to the Watergate days. Sometimes, sometimes the cover-up is worse than the crime. Uh, and and I think I think his problem was, and again, this is just me reading the newspaper. I don't know the man. I I somewhat I feel somewhat bad for the man, Walker. Um, but his problem throughout his career, apparently, is the inability to tell the truth. Uh, whether it's to Kenny Bass at the news, which started this whole fiasco. Uh, or to the feds who were investigating him. Just don't lie to the feds. Uh, and, and it's probably good a policy not to lie anywhere, but if you're in court of law, and especially if you're talking to federal agents, you better not lie. That'll get you in trouble every time. Even if it's a little thing. Right, okay. All right, so, yeah. I mean, you're right about that. Um, I've noticed on your one of your interviews on I think it's called West Virginia Court Elections, you were saying you know you are non-affiliated. I assume that yeah. means you know you're not registered Democrat or Republican, and the other judges should be too. So that means they shouldn't have a party affiliation, or like does that mean you're like like lifelong non-affiliated? Just do you want to speak anything about that? I noticed it was on your questionnaire. Absolutely, I think absolutely. I, I'm glad you brought that up. It's important. I, I am politically unaffiliated, meaning I'm not Democrat, I'm not Republican, I'm not independent. I'm unaffiliated. Right. Uh, and and I, I did that for a reason. I, I, I think everyone out there should realize, first of all, the legislature changed the law in West Virginia several years ago. They made uh, what used to be partisan races for judicial races. Um, can you still hear me? Yes, I hear you. Okay. They made, uh, the legislature made what used to be partisan, in other words, Republican versus Democrat versus Independent, they made it nonpartisan by law. Uh, it is illegal for me to tell you that I am part of a particular party. Under that law, if I advertise on TV, I can't say Bill Schwartz Republican or Bill Schwartz whatever for office. I, I, that's, that's improper. Because that is the law, and it's been the law for a number of years right now, I felt it incumbent upon me to be politically unaffiliated and to commit to being politically unaffiliated. And I think the reason for that law is that if you're going to the Supreme, the highest court in this state, if you're going to the Supreme Court and you've got your land at issue or heaven forbid your life at issue, you shouldn't have to worry about whether you have an R or a D next to your name, that it matters what that judge is gonna rule, that he's gonna rule based on the facts and the law every time, irregardless of who is in front of him. And that's the purpose behind it. And that's kind of the reason why I, I, I've been lucky in life. I've had a good career. I have made money. I'm self-supported. I'm mostly self-financed. Nobody owns me. Uh, and, and I guess this is my statement that don't even try to own me. I'm not gonna make a promise to anybody. I'm not making a promise to a Republican or a Democrat. 
for any out-of-state or in-state interest. I'm going to commit myself to what I've said throughout my campaign and my career. I'm committed to the law and the people of West Virginia. So I'm unaffiliated, except for that fact. Okay. Okay, that's clear. Um, yeah, that's good. Do you think, like, if you're free to say anything about, I don't know, with all these, the things on, like, with COVID-19, there seem, there's so many restrictions, regulations. It's affected a, a lot of things. Well, many states, I'm not just talking about West Virginia. I mean, uh, do you think, uh, do you want to have any comment about it? <laughs> that, if you're free to make any comments about it, you know? Yeah, I, I think I'm free enough to say this. I mean, because I, 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 I'm affected by this. I, I was one, I'm one of the people, uh, I, I, as a lawyer, I ran a small business. You know, it's not a big firm I ran. It's two men, four paralegals, making payroll. Uh, so I get it, you know, quarterly taxes, rents. I get it. You know, if you shut down a small business and you keep open Walmart and Target, I can see how small business gets upset. It is a balance like everything in life is. It's a balance between reason uh, and, and the reality of having to exist. We take a risk every time we walk out the door, we get in our car, we go to work, we take a risk. Uh, but we take calculated risk, hopefully. And I, I think, you know, I don't agree, obviously I don't agree with the governor on many things, but he, I think he handled this right. You know, I think he's gradually opening up businesses and we do have to open up within reason. And if we see there's a problem, we, we try to latch it back. I'm not running for policy making decisions. I'm not running for the legislature and I'm not running for governor. I'm running for the Supreme Court, which is based on law and facts. But as a citizen, I have an opinion. And my opinion is um, we, we always have to operate understanding the risk, and I am at risk, understanding the risks, uh, but balancing those risks and trying to push on as best we can. Okay, okay. So you mentioned following the rule of law. I mean, would you like describe yourself, if you care to, like as more like, if this is a correct term, like strictly constructionist to the Constitution or some other term, or how would, would, would you care to comment anything about that kind of thing? Yeah, no, I appreciate that question too, and I get that all the time. I'm, and and I, 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 I kind of think it's a misnomer when you say strict constructionist versus the Constitution says what the Constitution says. The judges and justices are all human beings, and we all interpret language. Uh, so some, we may both look at the black letter or something, and disagree as to what that black letter says. But here's my opinion. The job of a justice is not to legislate. The job of a justice is to apply the Let me use an example I think some, some people, especially in West Virginia, would understand. If the legislature passed a law that all guns have to be confiscated, there may be a constitutional issue with that. And I may have to look at that. If the legislature passed a law that you can't criticize the governor in any fashion, I may have a problem with that. And the constitution of either our state or federal may find that unconstitutional. As a state Supreme Court justice, I think we have to defer to the US Supreme Court. So I always get questions regarding what I think are federal issues of constitutional basis. And my response is always, I've got, even if I don't like it, I have to live with what the higher court has told me to do. And even if I don't like it, if the facts in the constitution say the legislature did the right thing, I have to live with that conclusion. I haven't been elected to be a legislator. That's the job of the public to reelect people to make a new law if they don't like it. Right. And if you don't like the Constitution, we have a method of fixing that too. We amend the Constitution. But if the Constitution is clear and black letter law on a particular issue, and a law doesn't violate that constitutional provision, I'm not going to overrule it. 
I'm, I'm not, I'm, go, I'm going to lean towards giving, giving uh, leniency to the legislature unless they violate the black letter law of the constitution. Okay, all right. So like, uh, you know, I know you have a couple of uh, opponents in this race. How would you, you know, like differentiate yourself for the voters with the, um, your opponents in this, uh, you know, race? I think it's easy. If you like, if you like everything as it is, if you think it's fine, uh, if you think politicians and judges and justices have done a great job for the last two decades or three decades in West Virginia, you got two good choices besides me. They're, I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm just saying they're more of the same. We've got a sitting Supreme Court justice who was appointed by the governor, who spent 23 years as a judge, and we've got another judge. We've got people who have picked being in the judiciary as a legal career, wanting to step up and be on our highest court. And what I'm saying is we already got enough of that. And we've had enough of that uh, for the last 20, 30, 40 years. Uh, our, our Supreme Court right now is made up of plenty of people like that, politicians or career judges. Uh, and we have learned, I'm not speaking to the current Supreme Court at all. I'm speaking to, we have learned that maybe, maybe being a politician your entire career and being on a taxpayer dime and being a judge your entire career, wearing the robes and have everybody call you your honor, not having to worry about making a payroll or paying your taxes, but we're living on our tax dollar may cause you to lose perspective. Clearly it caused two of the justices to lose perspective. They were charged with federal crimes. Uh, so they lost perspective. I bring different perspective. I want to be a taxpayer because that's what I've been doing every quarter uh, for the last 32, 33 years of my career now raising a family in West Virginia. I'm going to bring a taxpayer's perspective to the Supreme Court. I mean, one of my friends asked me, what's your goal? I said, me on a Supreme Court, black rope, turning to the other ropes and saying, show me the account books right now. First thing. I think part of the part of it is to be fair in deciding a case, but the other part is to control and regulate 130 million, but, but that's my response. I think I differentiate myself as a trial lawyer, experience of people, running a business, raising a family, and paying taxes. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm bringing any hubris, and I don't feel like I'm bringing, I feel I'm a different perspective to what we already have. Uh, and I think uh, if, the, if the voters want more of the same, don't, I'm not your guy. If you want more of the same, I'm not your guy. There are other choices besides me, but I'm giving you an alternative. Well, to conclude, like, would you share, uh, I'd like to share anything else with the voters as they consider, you know, the different candidates for the June 9th election, which will elect our Supreme Court justices? Yes, and, and that's a good point. You bring up June 9th is not a primary. It is the final vote. You are selecting the justices for your Supreme Court. And I think there are 28 years at issue here on our Supreme Court. It's the most powerful court in the state of West Virginia. Uh, and I think you have to think hard about that. And I believe that the, that the voters should consider a change. I want to be an agent of change. I believe I'm an agent of change. Uh, if you want more of the same, I'm not your guy. If you want to change in our court system, I'm the guy. And the, re the change I'm bringing is the perspective of a taxpayer among the roads. I've committed myself to the people of West Virginia for 32 years in my career. I now want to commit in a different way to the people of West Virginia, a commitment to the law and the people of West Virginia. I've started things such as uh, a Breath of Life Foundation for lung cancer. I've committed to many organizations throughout my career. Uh, I am now committing again, my own money. I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Nobody else is paying for this. I'm paying for this. My, uh, I want to commit myself to the people of West Virginia 
for the next six or 12 years in my life. I'm 60 years old right now. Um, and I want to do this. I think I am the best choice to bring change to West Virginia. So I, I, I respectfully request the voters consider me. Uh, Bill Schwartz. And may the Schwartz be with you <laughs> on June 9th. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Well, I want to, I think that's a good conclusion. I want to um, thank you for being on today. So thank I, you. Yes. Thank you for taking the time to come on and we'll put this up on uh, video and podcast so people can review it. And uh, I'm your host, Rich Herb. I'm coming to Historic Harpersbury, West Virginia. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time.